This morning I'll be reading a few uh, verses from the book of Psalms. You can follow along on the screen or in your growth group workbook uh, on page six. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night, but I find no rest. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. My thoughts trouble me and I am distraught because of what my enemy is saying, because of the threats of the wicked, for they bring down suffering on me and assail me in their anger. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen on me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. I am overwhelmed with troubles and my life draws near to death. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like one without strength. I am set apart with the dead and like the slain who lie in the grave whom you remember no more. We are cut off from your care. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. My name is Adam, if uh, we haven't met, and it's great to have you with us this morning as we now come to open up God's Word together and as we kick off this new sermon series today that we've called Beneath the Surface, Exploring Issues of the Heart. Now, I want to set it up this way. When you're driving a car... There are all kinds of lights and indicators on the dashboard that tell you all different kinds of things. Now, some of them are fairly ordinary, and when they light up, they don't require urgent attention. So the light might come on to tell you that your washer level fluid is low for your windscreen. That's not a big deal. Or the light might tell you that you have a door ajar. Now again, that's usually not a big deal unless you're driving on the highway and you've got kids in the back seat, in which case you might want to check. But there's other lights that are incredibly important. And if you don't pay attention to them, it will have significant consequences. So if your brake light comes on, you should pull over as soon as you can. If the oil light comes on, you should pay attention because if you don't, you might just blow up your engine. Now, the reason that I tell you all of this, apart from giving you some free automatic advice, the reason I tell you this is because there are some areas of our lives that are like lights on the dashboard. There are some things in our lives that we should pay attention to. 
Because they tell us something important about the state of our hearts and our relationship with God. And this is why we're launching into this series for just the next few weeks. We're almost exactly halfway through the year, halfway through 2019. And so we want to do something of a mid-year checkup. We want to slow down and pay attention to what is flowing out of our hearts, to pay attention to the state of our relationship with God. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, guard your heart, for it is the source of life. In other words, life does not flow from the outside in, it flows from the inside out. And in these next few weeks, we want to pay attention to what is flowing out of us so that we can understand what is happening within us. And to do this, we're going to talk about three important areas of our lives. Three areas that are like lights on the dashboard. Our emotions, our money, and forgiveness. Week one, we're going to talk about exploring our emotions. That's today. Week two, next week, exposing our treasure. Maybe I shouldn't have told you that because maybe none of you will come next week. (laughs) Week three, embracing forgiveness. Now, hopefully you picked up a a growth group guide on the way in. This has uh, Bible readings and discussion questions and and recommended reading for each topic. Grab one of these, hold on to it uh, for the next few weeks as we explore uh, these things. Now, as I mentioned, today we're going to be talking about our emotions. Now, I heard a a sermon earlier this year by a pastor named uh, Rankin Wilborn, and it was so helpful for me that I wanted to to share some of what he said with you. And and so I'm leaning a little bit on Rankin this morning as we talk about our emotions. Now, I think straight away, some of you are thinking, really, Adam? Emotions? I mean, shouldn't you be telling us uh, about uh, biblical doctrine and truth? Shouldn't you be talking about what we believe rather than what we feel? And it's true, there is a danger in giving too much credit to our feelings. I mean, our faith is not built upon our feelings, it's built upon the Word of God. But there's also a danger in ignoring our feelings. Because the truth is, emotions are God's idea. God created us as emotional creatures. He created us with the ability to feel anger. Sadness, fear, shame, pity, and on. God created us as emotional creatures. Emotions are not evil. Emotions are good, and they're from God. And this is why we need to properly understand them. In fact, listen to what uh, Pete Scazzaro says. Pete Uh, Scazzaro was a pastor in New York for many years. He's written some helpful books in this area, including one called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. He says, and listen to this, it is impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. Impossible, he says, to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. 
Now, this means if we want to become the people that God created us to be, we need to know how to express and deal with and navigate the emotions that God has given to us. Now, I know that this is daunting and difficult for many of us. In fact, many of us are like an iceberg. Did you know that an iceberg is only 10% of it is visible from the surface? which means 90% of it is underneath, beneath the surface, unseen and invisible. And the truth is, this is how many of us live our lives. We deal with just the 10% that we can see on the surface, the reactions, the outbursts, the sulking. But we never seek to understand the 90% that we can't see, why we react and why we respond the way that we do. But if we are going to become spiritually mature, then we also need to become emotionally mature. Which means we need to look underneath the iceberg. We need to explore the 90%. We need to look at what is happening underneath. Now to help us get us started on this journey, I just want to share some symptoms of emotional unhealth that Pete Scazzaro gives in his book. Now he gives 10, but I'm just going to mention a few. Firstly, he says a sign of emotional unhealth is avoiding healthy conflict in the name of keeping the peace. In other words, sweeping it under the rug, which only turns into passive-aggressive behavior like gossip and avoiding and withdrawing or, or assuming the worst about one another. Or another sign that Pete gives is being judgmental, having a critical spirit toward other people being unforgiving and full of resentment, focusing on the speck in someone else's eye and not the log in your own eye. Another sign of emotional unhealth, Pete says, is doing for God, doing for God instead of being with God. To always be busy serving God and and doing things for God, but to never spend time with God. Finally, Pete says, a sign of emotional unhealth is ignoring, repressing, rejecting, the ungodly emotions of anger, sadness, and fear. Scazzaro says, like most Christians, I was taught that almost all feelings are unreliable and not to be trusted. They go up and down and are the last thing we should be attending to in our spiritual lives. It is true that some Christians live in the extreme of following their feelings in an unhealthy, unbiblical way. It is more common, however, to encounter Christians who do not believe they have permission to admit their feelings or express them openly. This applies especially to the more difficult feelings of fear, sadness, shame, anger, and so on. But this neglect leads to a devaluing and a repression of the emotional aspect of our humanity that is also made in the image of God. Now, if you found yourself in that list, don't worry, you can come and stand next to me. I mean, it is difficult to deal with our emotions, to know why we feel what we feel, and to know what to do about it. But thankfully, God has not left us on our own. In fact, if you open up your Bible to the middle, you will find the longest book in the Bible, the Psalms. And the Psalms help us with our emotions. In fact, the Psalms are a collection of songs and poems and prayers, and they give voice to the cries of our heart. 
In fact, there is no other section of the Bible that teaches us the language of the heart better than the Psalms. I mean, we heard this in the small selection of Psalms that we read just a moment ago. I mean, John Calvin describes the book of Psalms as a mirror for the soul. We look into the book of the Psalms and we see ourselves. Or as Dan Allender and Tremper Longman say in their book, The Cry of the Soul, the psalmists felt and publicly expressed the range of emotions, from hurt to fury, from desire to vengeance to contempt against God. How comforting to know, listen to this, that we are not alone when we ache with loneliness, burn with anger, and tremble with fear. Someone before us has faced these emotions and in the midst of that conflict, learned to love God. And this is what we want to do today. We want to learn to love God in the midst of our emotions. And the Psalms help us to do this. In fact, the Psalms help us in three main ways. They give us three steps to help us to navigate our emotions. If you're taking notes, the first step is this. The Psalms help you to own your emotions, to own your emotions, to admit to God, to yourself, and sometimes to other people that you feel angry and agitated, that you feel depressed and dejected, that you feel hopeful and joyful, whatever it is. The Psalms help us to admit how we feel. They give us permission to acknowledge our emotions. I mean, like Scazzaro mentioned earlier, we have somehow gotten it into our heads that our emotions, particularly our darker emotions, like anger and, and sadness and grief and confusion and so on, that we should not feel these things or that we should not admit that we feel these things. I mean, I don't know if you've never had this, but I don't know if you've ever been talking to someone and, and then they begin to cry in your presence. What's one of the first things that they'll often say to you? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I don't usually do this. Now, why do we feel the need to apologize for crying? I mean, if the Psalms are what they're often called, the prayer book of the Bible, then surely it is significant that it's not 150 songs of joy. In fact, the Psalms of doubt and confusion and pain, they significantly outnumber the happy psalms, the psalms of joy. Because through the psalms, God is giving us permission to admit that life is often difficult, disorienting, and painful. And he is giving us the words to express that. I mean, did you catch the, the wide variety of emotions in the psalms that we read earlier? In Psalm 33, the psalmist was overjoyed. In him, our hearts rejoice. In Psalm 22, David felt abandoned by God. I mean, have you ever said something like this to God? My God, I cry out to you by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. In Psalm 55, he expresses crippling fear. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. In Psalm 88, David is deeply sad. I am overwhelmed with troubles and my life draws near to death. 
Listen to how angry David gets in Psalm 58, and don't pretend that you've never gotten this angry. Look at what he says about the wicked. Break the teeth in their mouths, O God. Lord, tear out the fangs of those lions. We need to admit that sometimes we get as angry as that. Sometimes we get as sad as David in Psalm 55. We are feelers. We are emotional creatures. It's how God made us. And in the Psalms, God is giving us permission to admit our feelings and the words to express them. This is the first step we must take. The problem is that many of us don't even take this first step. We don't admit our emotions. We don't own them. We reject them. We suppress them. We ignore them. We deny them. But we shouldn't. Our feelings are our feelings. We shouldn't reject them or rationalize them away. They are lights on the dashboard and they're telling you something important. So how do you do this? How do you own your emotions? Well, that's a helpful acronym from Rankin-Wilborn. Own. O-W-N. Observe. Welcome. Name. Firstly, observe. Just observe. Hey, this is happening to me. I feel this way. Just listen to what is going on in your heart and your body. Observe. And then welcome. Don't shame yourself for feeling a certain way, but welcome it and be honest with God about it. God, I am feeling this way right now. And then name it. Allow the Psalms to give voice to what you're feeling. Now, how do you do that? How do you know which Psalm to read? Well, you could just Google a Psalm for when I'm feeling dot, dot, dot. Even better is to get to know the Psalms yourself. Read them and reread them and reread them again. And as you read them, pray them, even memorize them. Maybe you just want to read one psalm a day. Maybe one psalm in the morning, one at night. Maybe you want to read a, a devotional book like this one from Tim Keller, My Rock, My Refuge. Now, I'll refer to this particular book again later, but what it does is it takes you through the whole psalms in a year, along with a short devotional and a short prayer each day. Observe, welcome, name. This is what the Psalms help us to do. They help us to own our emotions. But we cannot stop there. We have to take it a step further. And this is also what the Psalms help us to do. And that's step number two. They help you to examine your emotions. They help you to ask the right questions. In other words, when you feel something, you don't just automatically trust that feeling, but you ask yourself, why do I feel this way? Now we do this because the Bible tells us that our hearts, the source of life, are tainted by sin and selfishness, which means our emotions are also tainted by sin and selfishness. And so we need to learn to ask ourselves some good questions. We need to look under the surface of the iceberg, as it were. What's going on in my heart? Why did I get so angry? Why do I get anxious about this? Why am I sad? What am I afraid of? Why does this mean so much to me? David Powlison was a respected Christian counselor. He passed away just last week, actually. He says that these are the million-dollar questions. He says, you're pulling up your emotions by the roots, as it were, and you're examining your motives and the desires that are clinging to your emotions. Our emotions 
are diagnostic indicators. They're lights on the dashboard and they're telling us something important. Because the truth is, it's not the situation that causes your emotions. It's not what's happening in front of you, it's how you interpret the situation. All the situation did was push your buttons. And your buttons will tell you what rules your life. And so when your buttons get pushed, you get angry, you get sad, or whatever it is, if you're learning to be emotionally healthy, you will examine those buttons instead of the person in front of you. I mean, we naturally think our problems are outside of us. We look at other people for the cause of our problems. But what really needs to change is what's inside of us. An emotionally mature person, when their buttons are pushed, they look within. Why did that upset me? Why did I react that way? Now listen, you may have a very, very good reason to be angry and upset. But you cannot really move forward into emotional health if you get stuck blaming other people for your reactions and fail to examine your own heart. The path to emotional health means that we own our emotions, we examine our emotions, but even then, that's not the whole story. There is a final crucial step that we must take, and that is we turn our emotions to God. We turn them to God. We turn away from our old self and we turn to God's presence and we turn to God's promises. In other words, we learn to pray our emotions. We learn to bring our real feelings before our real God. We say, God, I'm so afraid. God, I'm so worried about this. God, I'm so upset with this person. God, I'm so tired of feeling sad all the time. God, I'm so angry about what has happened to me. God, I feel so alone. We turn to God with our emotions. For example, let me show you Psalm 88. Psalm 88 is the darkest psalm in the book. Look how it ends. You have taken, the psalmist says, you have taken from me friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. I think Simon and Garfunkel must have read the Psalms. I really didn't want to make that joke, but I couldn't help myself. That's how it ends, and it's incredibly dark, but look how it begins. Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out before you day and night. Even in his darkest hour, the psalmist still turns to the God of his salvation. Or Psalm 51, listen to this opening line. Now Psalm 51 was written right after David had committed the worst mistake of his life. He'd committed an adulterous, he'd had an adulterous affair and then resorted to murder to cover it up. Now listen to how he begins Psalm 51. Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion. Now he goes on to do some confession and some repentance, but instead of turning away from God in shame and self-pity, he turns to God. He turns to the beauty of God's character, not the failure of his own character. And this is what we must learn to do, to own our emotions, to examine our emotions and to bring them to God. Because in our emotions we get disoriented, but when we bring them to God, we get reoriented. Now maybe you're thinking, well this all sounds really nice Adam, but, but does it really work? 
I mean, can the Psalms actually help me in my day-to-day life when my co-worker dismisses me again? When I feel the effect of my aging body and it just gets me down? When my children defy me again? When my husband or my wife disappoints me again? I mean, can the Psalms actually help me in those moments? Well, to close, I want to share with you a story from one of our long-time members, been a part of the church for a long time. And he shared with me once about how the Psalms helped him to process his emotions and to get through one of the most difficult times of his life. This person tells me that that during this time of their life, there was significant stress and significant anxiety. There were many sleepless nights. There were times of literally crying out to God in anger and confusion. They says there were some things, some steps that they took that enabled them to begin to move forward through the pain and through the confusion. The first thing they said was that they, they began to pray differently. At first, their prayer was all about God fixing the situation. But then they started to pray and to ask God to fix them. To not just pluck them out of the trouble, but to be glorified through the trouble in the way that they were responding to it. Second, they said that they began to talk to a few people about how they were feeling. Now, a lot of guys don't find this easy to do, especially, but it's so, so important to talk to someone about how you're feeling, to process how you're feeling, to get a different perspective, to be reminded of God's promises. This person writes, they says, my encouragement for anyone tangling with stress and anxiety would be to talk to someone who can remind you of the fact that God is still in control and to remind you of God's promises. Even as a long-term Christian, you get tunnel vision on your problems and you easily forget about the promises that God has made. Third, this person said, what helped me to get through was going to church. They said, going to church is so important. He described to me the temptation to withdraw from community, to withdraw from church when life gets difficult. But then he testifies to the power of being with other people, other Christians, not just because of their encouragement, but also because of their example. In fact, this person remembers one Sunday evening service in particular. They came to church and there was a testimony played on the screen, you know, one of our stories of grace. And it was from a lifelong member, from a member who had a lifelong health issue. And it would be with them for the rest of their life. And he said also at church that night was someone who he knew was having treatment for cancer. And he saw them there worshipping God and it gave him perspective. And encouraged him to persevere and also to pray for other people and to not just pray for his own situation. And then fourthly and finally, he, he says that I found comfort in the Psalms. One day, he randomly found on his bookshelf at home that devotional book that I referred to earlier from Tim Keller. And he began to read it, and it took him on a journey through the Psalms and on a journey towards healing and hope. He said, it's amazing the way that David felt in so many of the Psalms resonated exactly with my feelings at the time. And this is why God has given us the Psalms, to help us to own our emotions, to examine our emotions, and to turn them to God. Because he is our great physician. He is our heavenly father who wants to help us walk in emotional health and spiritual maturity. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to invite you to stand and I'm going to read Psalm 121 for us. 
And I just want you to allow these words to wash over you and to press into your heart so that you may be reminded, reoriented towards the presence and the promises of God. So would you stand as I read Psalm 121 for us? I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Join me as we pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for these words. Thank you for the book of Psalms, which you've given to us to help us navigate these emotions that you've given us, which are a gift. And so, Lord, I just pray for all of those who are among us this morning, those who feel like their emotions are out of control. I pray that they might learn to to pray and to bring them to you. You are our healer. You are our helper. You are our great physician. So help us to walk in honesty before you, Lord, so that we might receive healing from you for our good and for the glory of of your name. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.